Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. There's news in the NFL today. It's time to break it down in the only way we know how. Hot Route Style. Earl! Johnny! With our spin on football headlines with a mix of frozen tundras. Let's be a cold weather team. Neck rolls. And grass-stained jerseys. The good old-fashioned guts was probably the biggest difference in the game. Hello, welcome to another episode of Hot Routes. Matthew Collar here along with Jonathan Harrison, and we have our championship matchups. And I think, Jonathan, the place we need to start is uh, not to let you gloat just yet. We're going to drag that out. But uh, just to say that what a season it has been. And when it comes down to the final weekend, it feels like kind of the real end of the season. I don't know how you feel about this. The Super Bowl is just this whole gargantuan event that also we have to wait two weeks for. And in between, I guess the only thing that I usually do is I usually watch uh, NFL films where they recap like all the Super Bowls going back to the old John Facenda ones. Normally they play um, a bunch of those on NFL Network. So I'll just turn that on and watch that for the weekend. But There's not a lot to do, and then the whole event happens, and then it's over. But this is sort of the end of every single weekend. We've had football since September, and uh, I've become emotionally attached to football, Jonathan. I like it. Uh, The intensity (laughs) comes to an end here, and then it's like, okay, both teams, because they made the Super Bowl, get to celebrate. And, like, we made it. We made it to the final two and everything else, and then there's that one standalone game. But – Uh, This kind of feels like, for all intents and purposes, the end of the road for everybody else, and then we'll know our Super Bowl contenders. And I just feel like you couldn't have picked four better football teams, four more complete stars all over the field, great matchups that look like, at least on paper, they should result in an incredible championship weekend. So I guess your thoughts on the matchups that we get here between Cincinnati and Kansas City and San Francisco and Philadelphia. I think they're outstanding matchups, and this is kind of what you would want for a championship weekend with with two matchups featuring four very good teams that absolutely deserve to be there. It doesn't feel like there's a fluke team in the bunch. I mean, yes, Brock Purdy is the guy who probably shouldn't be the quarterback of 
a team that's in the NFC championship game, but everything else around him deserves to be in the NFC championship game. And the Eagles are absolutely stacked. The Kansas city chiefs have maybe the greatest quarterback of all time at this point with five AFC championship appearances for him already in his career. And then the Bengals are just, they're the team that knows suddenly knows how to play in the playoffs with Joe Burrow. And they have all this confidence and they have a really decent team around him. And they're, they're fighting through injuries all over the place there. It just feels like all four of these teams, whether they had their ups and downs throughout the season, they deserve to be where they are at this point in the season. And they all deserve to be fighting for a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And as for your point about this feeling like the true end of the season, it does because as the NFL wants it to be, the Super Bowl is a party. And it just feels like that's the party to like celebrate the season that was. This is the the end of the season bookmark that sends that, that you, that you'll always remember how this season ends or was because of this weekend in general. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, like the divisional round and we're going to talk about it as entertaining as it is, it kind of fades away in your memory unless the game is unbelievable, but the championship games definitely live forever. I mean, I think that off the top of almost any football fan's head, you could snap your fingers and say, what about this year or that year? And they would mostly remember championship weekend because it still has this uh, incredible intensity to it. And then like you talk about the heartbreak level, which we're going to talk about a little bit with the divisional round results, but so soul crushing. If you go to championship weekend and come up short, like think about Andy Reid and how many times that happened in Philadelphia. And now he's back again with Kansas City for the fifth straight time, which is just absolutely <laughs> insane. And I'm sure not connected to the quarterback at all for people who don't like the quarterback wins thing. Uh, but um, let's uh, let's talk about, let's get into the questions here. As always, um, for anybody new watching, five questions is, is how we do this hot routes. And all of them take a little bit of different angle or weird or whatever. We try to do that quite a bit. But this one's going to be more straightforward, Jonathan. All season long on Hot Routes, I don't know how many episodes we've done. It must be every week, so 20 or so. Every single one, you've trashed Mike McCarthy. I swear, <laughs> everyone. And I was like, Jonathan, man, the, the Cowboys are good. Like, they overcame Cooper Rush, and they have a good offense. And they have a good defense. They've got stars all over the field. Like, they're a good team. And you said, you just wait. You just wait. At some point, Mike McCarthy is going to let you down. And wow. Did he ever, not only with the last play, which was a complete laughing stock and one of the funniest things that any team has ever tried, putting Ezekiel Elliott at center, but just, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but just in general, a 12-point performance by a team that had a great offense all year long. So I want you to gloat about that, say that you were right, but I also want you to talk about right things and wrong things. As we've gotten to championship weekend, like we kind of know all the results except for just the very last one and who's going to the Super Bowl. So the season for almost everyone is over and our takes throughout the year, some of them went really right. Some of them went really wrong. So what are yours, your old takes exposed that were both bad and good? Uh, well, let's start off with the gloating in that. Yes, I did call Mike McCarthy bungling at the end of the season. They wouldn't get to even the NFC championship game because he would find a way to just masterclass performance his way into one of the most hilarious disasters that you could ever see. I mean, the tight end on that final drive twice, just boneheaded plays that clearly doesn't know where what's going on and where he is on the field and what he needs to do. Like that's clearly a, that. Yes. You can say that 
a lot of that is on the player not knowing the situations and not knowing everything. But the co- there's still a coaching aspect that goes into that. And the fact that these guys don't know, like, some of the simple basics to do. Like, the fact that the guy they franchise tag and their tight end can't get two feet in because for some reason he thinks the, the back foot is, is down when he catches the ball. Like, dude, you still get as many feet in as you can before you just hop out of bounds on the final play. And you know, you have to know that if you're going backwards out of bounds, the clock is going to keep running and you need every single second to matter. Like you have to just know, you have to know that. And the coaches have to drill that into you week in and week out. And that final play was just absolutely hilarious because it started off with before they lined it up and then San Francisco called the timeout because they saw what was going to happen. And he still goes out there with the same exact play so Kyle Shanahan and their and Demeco Ryan's was able to just like okay here's what we're gonna do off of what they're setting up and they still go out and try it and it just ends up with a five yard pass and he just gets he just gets clocked right away and it's just the most anticlimactic thing I think you and I were texting about it as it was happening the most anticlimactic ending to what should have been a good Cowboy season but it ends like that and that's how you're gonna remember this Cowboy season. With a, with a really good defense, a really good offense, and it just ends with one of the most hilarious plays you've ever seen in any game of football. Like, I think this might wipe out that ridiculous Colts play because of the moment when when it happened. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take the I'll take the victory lap here on calling Mike McCarthy out as as a fraud. Now, what happens with him after this and into the off season and Jerry Jones saying that he, he sticks behind Mike McCarthy. We'll see how much Sean Payton sitting there dangling out there, how much that's going to affect Jerry Jones decision. Cause we've always known that Jerry Jones wants Sean Payton. And if the Broncos are sniffing around and they look like to be the suitor, Jerry Jones isn't going to want to pass that up. I doubt that he's going to want to pass that up with Mike McCarthy failing a couple of years in a row now with an absolutely stacked Cowboys team. Like you can't be, you can't be not even getting to the NFC championship game with that roster. You have to be better than they have been over the past couple of years. As for where we were right and wrong this season, I say Trevor Lawrence. I mean, we started off the season thinking that, you know, he might not be there because of that first season, but then you realize uh, Urban Meyer was definitely a big part of it. And Doug Peterson came around and got him cooking. And Trevor Lawrence looks like the next great quarterback in the AFC. And it just, that, that conference, I do not, I can't imagine any quarterback that's kind of in a contract year or, thinking they might want to be traded, which we'll talk about later, wants to stay in the AFC or go to the AFC because of the quarterbacks you're going to have to face. So I think Trevor Lawrence just being there in Jacksonville looks like their best quarterback ever already after two two years. Well, essentially just one year because the first year doesn't count with Urban Meyer. I think that one is where we can say we were right because we came on here a couple weeks ago and what, two, three months ago at this point now and saying that he looks like he's kind of taking the next step and he definitely did and keeping that game close at least a little bit in Kansas city and going in, not a tough environment to go into. And yeah, they spent money. They spent money and put, put a roster around him, but Trevor Lawrence still had to perform and still had to overcome a terrible first year. And it looks like he did. And it looks like he took that next step. So I'll start with that one. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, On your point about Dallas. I mean, I still will say that you were too harsh on Mike McCarthy because At the end of the day, they have a horrible, embarrassing, hilarious play. And Dak Prescott had two interceptions that you you could blame the receiver or you can blame whoever, but both interceptions happened and they were very costly. 
and even the team's social media got pretty darn salty about it as well. <laughs> what was that? I, I, that was uh, pretty shocking that they tweeted out like, yeah, he gave away the ball. We lost like that. That did happen. Now, you know, there's a debate of whether the receiver should have done something different or whatever. There always is. But at the end of the day, they did not do enough offensively to win that game where they did do enough defensively. And that is Mike McCarthy's side of the ball. And that's somewhere where they've been so good statistically in the last two regular seasons. And then when they've needed it most against San Francisco, it's come up short. I would say that San Francisco has as good of a defense as you're ever going to find. I mean, they are just last year was this way this year again monsters on defense like that's what they have that's how they've gotten here that's how they got there in 2019 and these last couple of times they are the rare exception to a defense that is good every year and it's well coached and it's violent and uh, they just were able to take away cd lamb for the most part outside of one amazing catch and and things like that like that's what playoff games are like that's what happens is one defense has one big game that's why I think that's why people have talked about long as like defense wins championships. Obviously it doesn't, but it does in a single playoff game where you really need it the most. Um, that's, that's where like you've seen year after year where that will happen. Like, you know, Denver stepping up a couple times in a row in 2015 or many times Bill Belichick's defenses um, that, you know, have stepped up in the playoffs and helped out Tom Brady to get to some of those championships. Our friend Manny Hill watching, by the way, uh, and Manny said, speaking of the Cowboys, are they going to learn to stop paying running backs? And this is a good point, Manny, that Jonathan's deep-rooted hatred for Mike McCarthy uh, causes a little bit of bias, I would say, <laughs> in blaming McCarthy for everything. But this team traded away Amari Cooper, and I think yeah. what we've seen in for the playoffs fifth. here is – multiple weapons, multiple weapons really matter for your quarterback because teams can slow down one guy. The Giants mm -hmm. slowed down Justin Jefferson in the playoff game and the Vikings didn't have the best counter punches for that on offense, even though they, they were okay. It was not an incredible performance because they were able to take out the one best player. And this happened to the Packers a couple of years ago. Was it against Tampa Bay where they were able to mostly slow down Devonte Adams and the Packers end up losing that game. And I think that with Dak Prescott having to kind of look for other options, you mentioned the tight end. They paid the tight end. He's not that good. They pay Ezekiel Elliott. And once Tony Pollard went down, it took away that second option for Dak Prescott that he loved throwing to Tony Pollard. So all of it is not on uh, Mike McCarthy. You can gloat on that. Um, as far as other places of being right, I think Cincinnati for me is, is mine to hold up. Uh, like Lion King Simba and be like, yes, <laughs> I told you because they started something like one and two or whatever it was. They started slow and naturally it was, oh, they went to the Super Bowl last year. They're falling off and Joe Burrow won't be the same and everything else. And they battled through a Jamar Chase injury where he kept rolling. And I thought Joe Burrow was better maybe by a lot this year than he even was last year. And he was great last year. But this year was his big step forward. Like, this is a super elite quarterback and a guy who's going to be there year after year. He transcends the whole rookie quarterback contract thing. He's shown he's kind of impervious to even when things go wrong around him. And I just felt like they played some kind of random games early in the season and that they were going to get going because they had a strong roster. So I was right about that. Uh, where were we wrong now that we kind of look back? 
I'm going to have to think about that. But I want to go back to your point about the 49ers. Their defense, it their violence, it is so physical. It it is it's very it stands out compared to the rest of the defense that you watch every Sunday. The absolute physicality that they bring hit in and hit out. It is incredible. Just it feels very it feels very old school in how hard and how physical that team goes after players. And that's got to have a mental effect on some of these offensive players that they go against every week. It's just that physicality jumps off the TV screen. Every time I tune into a 49ers game where we were wrong, I, that's going to be trying to think of where we were wrong. I, nothing oh, we, we would never be wrong on this show. No, that's never fine. not on hot routes. We only come with the hottest of takes. So I, I will say this. I, I picked Jacksonville to beat Los Angeles. If we're going back a little bit. But initially, I thought that the Chargers at the beginning of the season had everything, I, that they were yeah. just in line to be that next great team. Herbert, they go out, get Khalil Mack. They, they spend the money, uh, as teams do when they have the rookie quarterback contract. And they ended up this season just being okay. And I know they had a lot of injuries, and that's always going to be a factor. But 10 and seven and a first round out for them is, I think, a pretty big disappointment from where I expected them to be this year. Um, so I would say that, you know, that was probably a, a wrong thing. But, you know, when you look at the season overall, I think what you find is that this was one of the more like telegraphed where it was headed seasons that we've seen in a long time. Like a lot of times you get to the middle of the year and you're like, oh man, like so many, this could go so many ways. And, some team really picks it up or some team really collapses or whatever. Um, San Francisco picked it up in the second half of the season, but they were good pretty much all along. I don't know that like there's a ton of huge surprises this year and certainly not in championship weekend aside from Brock Purdy, but the 49ers being there as strong as they were, that's not exactly a surprise. So it's not that we weren't wrong about stuff along the way, but if we were making statements midway through the season about which teams were good and which teams were potentially flawed and things like that, it wasn't that hard to see kind of where a lot of this was going. Um, even for a team like Buffalo, maybe this falls under the like being right sort of category, but I think what we saw was just a weaker Buffalo team. You know, it just wasn't as good uh, as it was last year. And they kind of missed their shot when they had that 13 seconds thing happen to them. So there was, there's certainly things that, you know, didn't work out the way that we expected them as we went along. I think Tennessee collapsing the way that they did was surprising to us. We talked about maybe mid season, how good Mike Vrabel was and how strong that team was, but the injury to Ryan Tannehill really blew that thing up. Um, maybe I, I wouldn't have popping back up after the one and six start getting back into it. I know. I, I think we were joking a little bit about it as they were in the midst of that one and six start, the restore the roar thing kind of failed because there was all that hype going into the season. And then they sputtered right out of the, right out of the start. And then they got it going late in the season and almost made the playoffs. I think that one was probably where we were wrong for me personally. I thought the Raiders would be a little better under Josh McDaniels. I kind of let, my Raiders fandom a little bit get ahead of me there thinking that he could get the best out of the best out of Derek Carr because he hasn't had a real head coach in his career up until this point and then adding Devonte Adams to that along with the other weapons they have there I thought it would be much better than it was but it was an absolute dumpster fire the entire season in Las Vegas so that's that's probably the where I was the most wrong was with the Las Vegas Raiders now Detroit's a great point because at one in six I, I probably said something like, 
Uh, and this would be a fun game for the show is like, did you actually say this or not? Like going back to old episodes and seeing, you know, some of the reactions we had, because it is a week to week league. If you've ever heard that, Jonathan, <laughs> but Detroit is a great example because I probably said something like, look, the Dan Campbell thing is precious and mm -hmm. I love it as much as the next person, but it's probably not a real coach or whatever. And they completely proved that wrong in the second half of the year. And had tiebreakers been different and Seattle not gotten in, then we would have been talking about Detroit going out to San Francisco and, and playing in the playoffs after starting one and six, keeping that team together the way that he did, um, putting in charge their offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, who is just a, a serious talent and is coming back to them next year as, as they look like a very promising team. At one and six, I thought, oh man, they got a lot of work to do and they might need a real coach, but they clearly have a real coach. And the, the other funny thing is too that it's actually better to probably be the Lions than be Seattle and just get destroyed. I'm like, okay, well, you're actually nowhere close. At the <laughs> beginning of the year, I did believe that Green Bay would still win the division um, because they're Green Bay and because they yep. have Aaron Rodgers. So that, that would be one. I think that um, on the right side of things, although maybe I did think that the Rams would be fine, in the long term when they made the trade for Stafford, it always looked like this is a mm -hmm. one-year thing because that team is going to come apart quickly. I did not expect it to come apart the way that it did, though. I would have thought that that division would have been very hard, and it ended up not really being that. Seattle was okay, Arizona terrible, and the Rams being terrible. So I guess that's kind of that's kind of the right and wrong things. Maybe the Giants were better than I thought that they would be. I didn't wouldn't have predicted them to win a playoff game, probably. So, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the other team that I was super high on, but had a quarterback injury was Baltimore. Uh, I think that would have been another one of my Super Bowl picks, but Lamar Jackson getting hurt really, yeah. um, destroyed that. So anyway, moving on to our second question, the NFL world is back to doing the thing that it seems to love to do, which is ranking players by whatever game just happened. Uh, saw an NFL <laughs> network that if Joe Burrow wins, he's better than Mahomes. Okay. Then. Cool. Yeah. All right. That's a, that's a take that I guess it, you ever think that just like getting on TV means just saying stupid stuff like, Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's why we stream on YouTube where nothing <laughs> ever said it's dumb. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, that's not the point. Uh, so uh, that's what they love to do though. Right. So like Dak Prescott is now bad and a loser and the loser of Burroughs Mahomes should just like quit football and move to Alaska I would like us to try to give three reasonable quarterback conclusions based on the championship matchups and this championship weekend. Reasonable quarterback conclusions from what we saw in the playoffs. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. 
and Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, let's start with San Francisco and Brock Purdy, as Paul Heyman likes to call him. It just incredible promo work by, by Paul Heyman in Philadelphia the other night. Just incredible. Uh, Brock Purdy, no matter what happens, reasonably should be in contention for that starting job and should have probably the first, the first shot at it over Trey Lance. I know they drafted Trey Lance in the first round, but with what Brock Purdy has done in the seven weeks, he's been there starting quarterback. He deserves to have first shot at that San Francisco 49ers quarterback job next, next training camp. When it comes down to training camp battle between Trey Lance and Brock Purdy. I mean, there's, we haven't seen enough of Trey Lance to know whether he's good. I think seven weeks of Brock Purdy's enough to know that enough to know that he's a competent NFL quarterback. And that's pretty much all you need with what they have stacked up around him in San Francisco is that you don't need a Patrick Mahomes, a Joe Burrow, a Josh Allen to make that thing go. You just need someone who's not going to screw up too much. And that's Brock Purdy right now. If Trey Lance can be that guy who's who can take a step, into the NFL and be one of the outstanding quarterbacks in this league, then yes, you have easily the best team in the NFC because you have a quarterback who can do it. But right now you don't know what you have. So Brock Purdy has to be the guy with the first shot. I'm not saying give it to him outright, but he has to, he has to be the one taking the first snaps in, in San Francisco next year. Uh, Other reasonable takes. It doesn't matter what happens between the AFC quarterbacks. They're both still the best quarterbacks in the AFC hands down because you've got Patrick Mahomes, who we know after five seasons is one of the best quarterbacks to play this game. And that's not going to change whether he loses this weekend, because if he loses, most likely it has a lot to do with the fact that he has a high ankle sprain. You're not supposed to play on those things. It's just not something that happens. And Joe Burrow is one has elevated himself in these playoffs to officially breaking that breaking the thought that eh, maybe he's not going to get there. Maybe he's kind of slowly getting there. No, he's, he's there right alongside Patrick Mahomes because he has this factor about him in the playoffs, this, this coolness about him in the playoffs where it doesn't seem like the pressure gets to him at all. And he, you know, he goes up against a Buffalo bills defense. That's incredible at getting to the quarterback. And he, and he has three of his starting offensive line missing and, it doesn't matter to him. He still goes out there and puts on a heck of a performance in snowy Buffalo on the road in the playoffs. And now when they're in the AFC championship game for the second season in a row, both those quarterbacks are going to be the best two quarterbacks in the AFC and in the NFL next season, no matter what happens this weekend. Yeah. I mean, those are good. Uh, I like the Brock Purdy take. I think that it's fine to run it back with him because that team is not coming apart. Like there's some extensions they need to give, but he's going to be very cheap. 
They're going to make money for moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo. And if they trade Trey Lance, then that's a a decent chunk off their books because he was such a high draft pick. So they can continue to add around him. And with Trey Lance, I mean, uh, there just isn't a whole lot to, to work with. Um, as far as the sample size where Purdy stayed healthy, that's something the other two quarterbacks can't do and has shown yeah. that he can really operate the offense. And I think what he's doing is not fluky. It's not like a bunch of random throws into traffic were caught by people. Like I compared it to the Case Keenum thing, but Keenum in 2017 was throwing up prayers and every <laughs> single one of them came down, including the Minneapolis Miracle. I haven't seen that from Purdy. I've seen a mature looking quarterback who's very, very smart and has some good playmaking ability and athleticism and a good enough arm to make a lot of plays there. Now, a couple of years down the road, when he becomes expensive, then it becomes a harder conversation. It's the rare situation where the team is so good around him that you're actually not even really sure how good he is. Uh, But I do know that not everyone can just run that team like that. I I think we're going to think that, but the way he gets the ball out quickly, the way he's in command of the offense, gets it to the right spots, gets it to his playmakers, like all those things, you can keep doing that next year and you can continue to compete for Super Bowls for a couple of years because those weapons aren't going away. You're going to continue to have Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. These players uh, are good and they're going to be there a while. So I'm good with that take. I think that when we rank quarterbacks, no one is ever going to do it my way. They're never going to tear it my way, but never going to rank it that way. But this year I came up with ways that I'm comfortable with is looking at the whole picture of the team. When you rank quarterbacks, mm-hmm. who do I expect to have the best season? Not how good I think they are. And did they recently win something, but more of, and where were they drafted seems to always play into quarterback rankings. But for me, it's, if you ranked Jalen hurts, as the 24th best quarterback in the league. You really missed something which was that they got A.J. Brown and that they loaded up that team and were going to put him in a great position. And the second half of the season, they really found what worked for him offensively. He should have been thought of going into the season, even before you saw it, as a quarterback who had a great chance to be great this year. As far as how good he is, I think he's very, very good. But the situation that you're in, that really matters quite a bit. Um, also like there's no two ways to have a great quarterback. There's lots of ways to have a great quarterback. They can be more of a runner like Jalen hurts. They can be more of a thrower like Joe Burrow, but there's a couple of things that I think you could say for the guys who get to the final couple of weeks that are just absolutely necessary. One is that they can make plays out of structure and Brock Purdy can do this. That has been mm-hmm. huge for him. That's actually Jimmy Garoppolo's biggest problem is when they needed him to make a play that just wasn't him. And then you lose in the NFC championship because you don't get one play out of Jimmy Garoppolo. He's elite when he's just reading the defense and making plays, but he's not you know, able to run around or, or just do something out of structure. All these quarterbacks need that. I also think that the character and personality of these quarterbacks is so unbelievably high. And mm-hmm. when you look in the drafts, Somebody like Baker Mayfield, for example, or Johnny Manziel, you look at sometimes like they have to be of the highest character. Jalen Hurts and what he went through in college to come out, got underdrafted in the second round and really battled in that situation, said a lot about his character. Brock Purdy's character, like very calm, in control, doesn't seem like anything bothers him. Joe Burrow, the ultimate baller, just ice (laughs) in his veins, a lot like Matt Ryan back in the day. I think there's a similar comparison there of somebody who just never seemed shook. And then, of course, Mahomes, 
ultimate leader, ultimate baller and playmaker and, and things like that. But the, the high character just matters so much when you're trying to take a team deep into the playoffs. I think that's a reasonable conclusion that when teams go to draft quarterbacks, they might have to put that above a lot of other things, how that's going to fit uh, in the construct of a team. And what I can't figure out though, and I think this is a reasonable conclusion, is I look at quarterbacks as either they're going to have a chance almost every year just by being them to win a Super Bowl. It'll happen every once in a while, like every other season or two years where they have it, two years where they don't, like an Eli Manning or Matt Ryan. Or you get one shot where like one year it all comes together. I can't figure out which one of those uh, categories Dak Prescott is supposed to be in. Because Mm -hmm. I think he should be in the, he's going to give you a shot every couple of years and he's going to have a lot of chances at it based on the regular season. But And based on the playoffs, it's like, is there something missing there with Dak Prescott where it's just not enough? Or is it just his team and eventually he will get that chance? I always used to wonder that about Phillip Rivers. Like, is there something there that just is a little tiny, just like slightly less than the elite of the elite? I don't know. Um, But I think it's, it's worth wondering, is there something that's not quite to the same level to where they're going to be able to ever get over the hump with him? Or is he a divisional round type of player forever? Because it's hard to think that they're going to put a better roster on the field for him at any time, considering how good their defense and offense were this year. Is that just like the curse of the Cowboys quarterback post Troy Aikman? I mean, every quarterback they've had has had these opportunities. Essentially, every quarterback they've had has had these opportunities to kind of take that next step into that next tier that they're going to give you a shot every other year. And they just, it seems like there's something holding them back, whether it's the pressure of being the Dallas Cowboys quarterback or just not a good enough team around you. You can't really say that about Dak Prescott. He's had a team around him. He's had two really good running backs the past couple of years. He's had a tight end who knows how to play generally outside of the last couple of plays of a game. And he had CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper at one point uh, the previous couple of seasons. He's had weapons around him. And for some reason, it just never works out for Dak. So yeah, that, that is a very good question going forward. And it seems like the question we're always asking about Dak and that's it, it very much feels like the curse of the Dallas Cowboys quarterback quarterback at this point, that that question will be asked about them, whether they like it or not at this point. And, you know, we were talking about um, that playmaking ability and out of structure. And the weird thing about Dak Prescott is when he first came into the league, he ran a lot. Mm-hmm. but he's never really been that guy and his running is almost disappeared completely at this point. He just doesn't yeah. run at all. He's entirely a pocket quarterback. And uh, Dennis in the comments section making uh, you know, a remark that I think I've seen a few people make about Dak being similar to Kirk cousins. And I've always felt like Dak was a little bit on a higher level because he's been capable of having number one offenses in the league and number two mm-hmm. offenses, as opposed to kind of always hovering around the top 10, Um, And again, it's not like they had an amazing running game. It's like everything was running through him the last couple of years. And uh, when we've seen him in person, gosh, he's been terrific against the Vikings. He destroyed them this year, but he's had good games against the Vikings in the past. But it just seems like when he runs into that great defense in the playoffs, he doesn't have that next answer that some of the great quarterbacks have. And I think he's probably one notch above someone like Kirk. But the issue is, that he's very expensive. And yeah. so even if he is, it's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder as he 
you know, continues to be expensive and they need to pay other players in the future. And then they do that merry-go-round. So I think if anything, these last two years, they've, they've kind of missed the window and maybe that will stay open for next year, but they've missed their chances where they had elite offenses, which usually gives you a ticket to the, uh, to the party as far as being a Super Bowl contender. And they've just come up short. And there's another part of me too, that says, like someone like Matt Ryan, who early in his career came up short, just barely in a bunch of playoff games. I mean, it might just be these things go this way. Like one team gets to win. One team has to lose. It's a standalone. It's, we can't make conclusions based on one or two playoff games, but eventually when you've been in the playoffs enough times like Dak and you're not ever taking your team deep, we start to go, I don't know, is something missing there? And I think it's that playmaking ability. I think with Joe Burrow, with Patrick Mahomes, uh, Josh Allen is like this as well. When things break down or someone's not open, like they find a way. And I just don't know if that's really Dak's game. I think he's, I think he's a very cerebral, like pick apart the defense and sit in the pocket and make throws. I think that's who he wants to be, but that other level is, is a little bit missing. Um, so let's move on uh, to our next question here. Uh, but I think that's one you could talk about all day, like the conclusions. And of course we have to throw in there. I, I, I didn't mention it, but like, cause everyone already knows by now, rookie quarterback contracts, pretty helpful. Just throwing <laughs> that out there. What three out of the four teams have it. The other team has Patrick Mahomes. Pretty big deal, it seems, every year. Uh, anyway, so I've uh, I've been of the opinion, Jonathan, that losing in the divisional round is the worst. If yeah. you lose in the wild card round, you're like, ah, we were frauds, like the Vikings or whatever. You know, they had to do that. <laughs> but when you win in the wild card round, then you're like, okay, all right, let's go. Here we go. Or if you had a first round bye, okay, Super Bowl. And then it's just a kick in the face when you lose in the divisional round because you'll never be remembered. No one will ever care. No one's ever going to say that was an amazing, special, magical season. They're just going to be like, who cares? Lost in the divisional round. It wasn't that great. And uh, what ends up happening that I've noticed is that fan bases just start going berserk. They start lashing out. They go nuts. Uh, yep. And even some of the players like Eli Apple getting very online, but like that was stupid. You shouldn't cause a distraction on a week like this if you're Eli Apple. But either way, uh, by tweeting at Stefan Diggs and so forth. But you saw Stefan Diggs reaction even, yeah. you know, the last couple years or in San Francisco because he knows it's a forgettable season. You were never that great if you lose in that situation, especially if you lose badly. And you came up short when you had a chance because you're right. You're one or two games away. Um, so anyway, who deserves vitriol for losing in the divisional round and who deserves a, a pat on the back? Hey, 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 you, Hey, 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 don't take it too hard. Which teams <laughs> on which side of that? The one that shouldn't take it too hard is the Jacksonville Jaguars. You had an incredible bounce back from the dead weight that was urban Meyer last year. And you've, you've kind of broken away from that and shown that. Yeah, you're a team on the rise. You've got a quarterback behind you now that knows how to play in the NFL, who can put it together, who can make plays, who can do everything that you would want a number one overall draft pick to do. And he's got a head coach in him or behind him that knows how to, you know, call these games and get him into winning positions. And they hung with the Chiefs. And that's impressive. I don't care if Patrick Mahomes is injured or not. You don't hang with the Chiefs 
in Kansas City. It's just not something that's easy to do, and Jacksonville went and did that. Uh, a team that deserves vitriol, we've already talked about them enough, so I'm not going to go too much into it, is the Cowboys for the way that happened. Uh, and then I I tried as hard as I could as soon as I got these questions to find this specific Reddit user, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't find them. For some reason, after the Buffalo Bills lost, there was a specific there was a Reddit user in the Buffalo Bills subreddit that said that they need to switch out their defensive scheme. And I'm not making this up, caller, said they need to bring in Ed Donatel. Shame on that specific Reddit user and anyone who and there was upvotes for this guy who made this point in the Buffalo Bills subreddit that yes, I get you are angry after losing in the playoffs again. But bringing in a guy who led, who was the coordinator for one of the worst defenses in the NFL, who had, who made Daniel Jones look incredibly good. And there was talk all last week, before last week, that Daniel Jones deserves a $40 million contract off how he performed against the Vikings. And that went downhill very quickly after the Giants Eagles game started. That you thought Ed Donatel's our guy to, to turn this defense around, this really good defense that's played miraculously or incredibly well over the past couple of seasons, let's bring in the shell defense. And that's going to help us get over the hump of checks notes, Kansas city checks notes, uh, Cincinnati, all these other teams that are just going to rip apart that defense. That's no, that's you deserve all the vitriol and shame thrown upon you for that one. You know, Jonathan, there's someone somewhere saying everything at any time. Yes, I, I have true. really discovered this. There's a meme about like, no, no, you know, all these people who don't think Steph Curry's good at shooting or something. And it's like, there's somebody saying Steph Curry's yep. not good at shooting. Uh, but I, there probably is. I, I saw a lot of, and, then, and some of this comes from my Buffalo followers and things like that, who just are jealous, but like Patrick <laughs> Mahomes is overrated. Collinsworth stopped praising him so much. Like the guy went out Come there on, and yeah. beat a team with a, freaking messed up ankle yeah what are we talking about here that was like an all-time performance please uh i think that the giants are a hard one this was right. where i yeah. struggled with this question that i made up uh was about <laughs> <laughs> about the giants because like in a way like i didn't see any vitriol for them for their fans and i wonder about like should there have been at least a little you didn't just lose to the eagles you didn't even play it was yeah. over before it started. Daniel Jones was horrendous. Like they didn't do anything against that team. Their defense didn't slow them down and they were still sort of celebrating the season as if they had won a trophy. But man, like the NFL does love its participation trophies. We had a pretty good year. Like we <laughs> tanked and got a pick like, okay, uh, that's great. Like we love tanking, but uh, that's not a championship. No. So it was like, we made the playoffs and got murdered. Like your point about Jaguars, it is different because the Jaguars have their franchise quarterback and a guy had to make a freakish play to end that game. Like the yeah. one handed interception. It was like Odell makes the play at the end of the game. Uh, and who knows like what would have happened there. They played hard. They played, they played well overall and they fought to the very end against a team who was better than them. Uh, but the giants didn't fight at all. And I don't know. Like they don't know what they're doing at quarterback. Exactly. I think they want Daniel Jones back. They're going to lose Saquon. Who's a pretty big deal for them. Like, I, I don't know. Like they, they think that their future is super bright and I'm not actually convinced of that. I think they have a good coach, but I don't know that I see the same path that they see after this. 
if they sign on to Daniel Jones long-term. So I'm not sure whether they deserve a trophy or not. To me, though, one of the reasons I made up the question was the Buffalo Bills. I saw a lot of angry fans. They were lashing out at the media for criticizing Stefan Diggs for not talking. That is a very standard thing. Every player after every game talks. That's how it works in the NFL. When a player doesn't, they're leaving all of their other teammates to answer for mistakes that they made. And if you're a leader of the team, you have to talk. I mean, imagine how disappointed Justin Jefferson was. He talked, I mean, he had a bad game or well, not a good statistical game. And he talked about the end of the season at his locker Mm -hmm. after the game, as everyone does, every quarterback has to go to a podium. I mean, Kirk cousins was anguished talking. Do you think that he wouldn't have rather snuck out the back, gotten in his van and driven home and not talk to us? Like, of course, but that's what you, it's part of the job. So, but I, I saw just insane attacking of reporters who brought that up that he had skipped out uh, on the post game stuff. Like, you know, I mean, it just was, it was so out of this world uh, that I thought, you guys need to relax. It's heartbreaking for a team that was really good all season long and everything else. You lost to one of the great quarterbacks, probably of a generation, looking at how this is going for Joe Burrow a more complete team. And also, I mean, the bills just went through so much this year that a lot of times I remember this happened with the Oilers NFL network actually made a documentary about, I think it was the 93 Oilers. So many things happened that year to them. A teammate died in a car accident, like crazy stuff. One coach punched another one during a game. I'm not (laughs) kidding you. It was insane. And they were a great team. They were phenomenal. Like they were just a beast of a football team. But eventually all that stuff caught up with them. The emotional toll of DeMar Hamlin, thank God he was able to be there. It's an amazing story, but that's an emotional toll that they took. And there was a shooting, there were mass shooting in in Buffalo that they were a big part of the healing process after that. There was so much that happened to them. Multiple deadly snowstorms that shut down the city where they had to go to Detroit to play. They went through a lot. They should be very proud of how they galvanized as a team, how they fought, got, you know, won a playoff game and everything. It shouldn't be uh, where they're just getting all the lasers fired at them. I do think that they have some difficult decisions to make in the future, and they may be a worse team over the next couple of years. And that's probably really heartbreaking, but that team deserves a lot of credit for the way that they played. And eventually it just ran out. Like eventually it just the emotional toll uh, was too much and the other team was better and and that's how it goes. Um, so any, any reactions to that before we move on to our final two quick questions here? Yeah, I was kind of stumped at how to handle the giants because as you said, they should feel happy that they got as far as they did, but also they just didn't show up at all. So it felt weird to try and figure out a way to react to that. What? Cause it was vitriol or not. And I, I want to be vitriolic towards them because they just, they failed to show up. Yes, they got on, they got past the wild card round, but then they just, it's like they just didn't want to go to Philadelphia and they just stayed in New York. And it was just, it was a miserable game to watch. It's like this, you're not supposed to do this in the divisional round. And they are, they definitely are in quarterback purgatory because you have this quarterback who may or may not be good. You, many people don't think he's good, but he's had performances down the final stretch of this season to make, put that kind of, put that in your head in the front office's head that he might, there might be something here. We might be able to get something out of him, but I don't know that I want to pay him quarterback money 
because he hasn't shown enough over the past four years to earn that. And yeah, he had a couple of good games, but you look at who they, who, who they came against. I wouldn't buy into that, but they're going to buy into it for some reason, it seems like. And that's going to be a mistake for them, I think. Reminds me of Baker Mayfield, where yeah. it's a very tough call. It's like, is he really good enough to pay? And the answer is probably not. Uh, I saw from PFF Brad Spielberger put up his numbers and even PFF grades and things like that. Uh, his his stats about um, like how he compared to even Tyrod Taylor, who's his backup, was very similar. And Buffalo went through this with Tyrod Taylor, where he was like good and could get you eight or nine wins, but there's just not really enough there. And I think that's how it is with Daniel Jones. But after winning a playoff game, they basically have no choice. If they just said like, oh, well, see ya, they'd be smart to do it. Yeah. But how do you say that? Because now the bar has been set and this happens all the time. Similar to Cleveland. You set mm-hmm. the bar by going to the playoffs, winning a playoff game. So now like, okay, are we locked into Baker Mayfield? And in a way they locked out that it was the season before and then he fell apart. But that would have happened anyway, and it would have happened when he was worth $30 million. So um, they're in a now, I think, a tough spot where in New York, they're celebrating as if they just won a title. But I think you're in a difficult position unless you can load up with weapons, which they don't really have, and they will have some cap space to spend. But it gets harder to spend when you've got the expensive, mediocre quarterback. Uh, Okay, uh, last question aside from... Obviously, we have to make our picks of who's going to the Super Bowl and be wrong about those. Uh, let's see. Uh, Aaron Rodgers said he's open to reworking his deal if he plays in 2023. Do you think he plays, and where do you think he plays? I think he plays, but I don't think it's anywhere but Green Bay because, as you put in the question in some of the notes behind it, that Green Bay aren't going to trade him outside of the NFC or out or to another NFC team which I don't blame them. Why would you want to go up against a quarterback who is known for being one of the most petty guys on the planet and would absolutely exact revenge against you if he came against you in the playoffs? Why would you try and do that? But also if you're him and you and we brought up this point earlier and you're seeing that the AFC is your only option, why in the heck would you want to go to the AFC with the quarterbacks that are over there right now? It is a, an absolute just – it's you don't want to do that if you're not – a top tier quarterback and Aaron Rodgers isn't that guy anymore. Like he used to be, and we all admit that he used to be, but he's just not there anymore. I don't care if you put him on the jets, they're not getting past Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow. Those team, those teams are just built to stop team or go against teams and win against teams like the jets right now for some, it's just those quarterbacks can do it against anybody any day of the week. And if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I don't want to go to the AFC. I want to stay in the NFC. And if Green Bay is your only option, find a way to rework the deal, find a way to mend some fences in Green Bay and make it work out in Green Bay because going to the AFC is just a terrible idea right now. So I think it's, I think he's back and I think he's back with Green Bay next year. Okay. There's one team in the AFC that I could make a case for, and it's not the Jets because their division is that hard. Although they could win it. I mean, if Buffalo fades a little, I don't really believe in Miami as long-term. New England is probably going to be a 500 team again. Yeah. Uh, Bill O'Brien, their offensive coordinator. Now imagine hiring someone who is an offensive coordinator though. Like I, wow. I will give, uh, even though Belichick, of course, is just like going back to the same old wells, at least right. this man is an offensive coordinator uh, <laughs> and had some success in Houston, as opposed to Matt Patricia, who was not an offensive coordinator, but um, Tennessee would be my team. 
because you can win that division and Jacksonville will be tougher, but that's really it in that division that there's a good chance for you. If, if you go to Tennessee, um, they don't have superstar receivers, but they have like a solid Robert Woods and Traylon Burks who got hurt a couple times this year, but showed a lot of talent. And that team is probably a 10 win football team. If Ryan Tannehill stays healthy the whole year, that's kind of intriguing to me. The jets thing is, I don't know, like, is there just too much, too much parallel with Favre if you go to the Jets. Yeah, absolutely. Freaking weird. I just think it would be and- too too strange if that happened. <laughs> I, I, I'm not into that. Um, but yeah, I think that you're right. Like if you were doing odds on favorites, it would be by far returning to Green Bay. And I think what he's trying to hint at is I will do a little bit of Bradying and lower my cap hit if you guys get me another wide receiver. Yeah. And I mean, he was great with Christian Watson uh, toward the second half of the season. So you got something to start with, but they've got nothing other than that. Can you get another wide receiver that isn't like Sammy Watkins? I think that he wants to play. I, that's that's yeah. how it feels. It feels like he's doing too much. Like talk me into it. Somebody come, somebody come tell me you want me to play. It's like the, you know, the kids sitting on the sideline, you know, put me in coach. Like somebody yeah. tell me I, they, they really want me tell. I mean, he needs that. He's a dude who's like deeply insecure and needs validation. He needs the organization to beg. And uh, if you're them, I don't know. Like, do you rather, would you rather just see Jordan love? Maybe, maybe I might, if I'm them, I might, but you can't tell Aaron Rodgers No, probably uh, yeah. if he decides he wants to come back. So I think that you're right. That green Bay makes the most sense than the jets, than Tennessee after that for me. Uh, last question, who is going to the Super Bowl? I'm going Bengals and 49ers. I love this 49ers defense. It's ultra physical. It's incredible. I don't care that Brock Purdy is their quarterback and that they're going on the road. Everything about that 49ers team just screams that they are going to win the NFC this year. And that Bengals team is right along with them. I mean, they Joe Burrow just overcomes everything. He's the ultimate playoff quarterback. And I think that that high ankle sprain for Patrick Mahomes is going to be a bigger issue than he let on against the Jaguars. The Bengals are a very much different team or very are a very different team than the Jaguars are. They're a better team than the Jaguars. I don't think it's going to be easy for Patrick Mahomes to get by against the Bengals. I'm I'm thinking Bengals 49ers in the Super Bowl. Thinking the exact opposite <laughs> and not to <laughs> troll you, but really like, uh, I think Philadelphia at Philadelphia is too dangerous. Uh, They can match defense for defense. They led the league in sacks. And I don't know if Brock Purdy has faced. Well, I mean, last week uh, it was a really good defense in Dallas. I don't know if it's quite as good as Philadelphia, but at Philly is so hard You go across the country. Like there's that really crazed atmosphere that is, I mean, you just can't really prepare someone for it. Not that I think that the the lights are too bright, but I just think that, you know, Jalen Hurts is a better quarterback and more experienced and he gets the home field advantage. West coast, East coast is usually very hard. Um, But I I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if it turned out the other way. Um, But Philadelphia can match them at pretty much everything. They've got the weapons. They've got the offensive line, which is a huge deal here. And I think that their offensive line is even better than Dallas's um, and that they will be able to at least match to some extent what San Francisco can do. Whereas I'm not as confident on San Francisco's O-line as I am on Phillies. So there is that, but very close. 
And I will pick Patrick Mahomes. I will never pick against Patrick Mahomes. I don't care if you if if you lop off his left arm, or if he's playing without a face mask, or if he's got an ankle injured or whatever. And here's where the, I think the big difference comes. Last week, Buffalo could not take advantage of those backup offensive linemen because of the snow, and then they also just kind of stink at rushing the passer. Uh, this Chiefs team gets after the passer, and I think that even though Burrow is not like a um, prone to huge mistakes or something, you get one sack where he's trying to do too much, something like that. And it could be a total game changer. So I will take Kansas city again at home, which I think is a big deal as well. But where we started was what a phenomenal weekend coming up where both teams you can make an argument for should be super fun. And uh, I can't wait to watch it and then break it down with you next Tuesday. If you're watching us for the first time, well, one, uh, we do this every week, every Tuesday. Also, the Purple Day, uh, purple Insider Show is daily. We used to do the Purple Daily Show. Uh, that's <laughs> that's uh, how we know each other. But uh, it, the Purple Insider Podcast is daily. So make sure you go check that out if you're a Vikings fan watching. And uh, we put a lot of stuff on this as well on this YouTube feed. We're going live way more often now this season. So if you want more shows like this, if you enjoyed it, hit the subscribe button and uh, make sure you follow along. So appreciate everybody who watched and who listened and uh, we're almost there. We're almost there. So thanks a lot, Jonathan. And we will talk to you all later.